Hello and welcome to Nickcast with me, Marie Urshard. This is the second edition recorded at the Knitting and Stitching Show in London. One of the busiest stands at the show is the Relaxer Knit area. It's staffed by volunteers, including Yvonne Davis. Yvonne, how long have you been involved with Relax and Knit? I think I've been involved with it for about five years now. I got involved at the start when I was, we were asked by the Knitting and Crochet Guild meeting if anybody would like to volunteer to help out. And um, I thought, that sounds like fun. I go to the show anyway. I'm like everybody else. I come in the door, I run round, I spend all my money in an hour and then wonder what to do to make the rest of my time. So I offered to help out. I think the first year I helped for a morning, the second year I helped for a full day, and the third year I did all four days. And that was it, I'm hooked. I now do all four days every year at Ali Pali, um, and I try to get to as many other shows around the country as I can. And you're also now the volunteer coordinator. Yeah, this is the first time I'm acting as a volunteer coordinator for some of the shows, not all of them, but I'm getting to go to um, Ali Pali, I'm going to be in Glasgow next week, um, and Harrogate in November, um, and then for next year I'm hoping to start off the year in Brighton and we'll see where we go from there. Well, you provide free knitting lessons and there are sort of uh, starter kits. What would you normally find in a starter kit? Okay, the kits that we've been given have um, a basic card which introduces how to cast on and how to knit and how to purl and how to cast off for the knitters. And then the reverse of the card has instructions on how to cast on, make a chain um, and do some basic crochet stitches as well. There's also a simple pattern for a scarf, a little bit of um, publicity material about the work of the British Hand Knitting Confederation. Um, and lists of the main UK wool suppliers. Also included in the pack is a, very, is a small pair of 4mm knitting needles so that everything is there for the knitters. I'm trying to persuade them to put a crochet hook in as well, but we'll get there. <laughs> and have you had many new knitters or people coming up saying, oh, you know, that they've been inspired by what they've seen around and they, they'd like to get starting stitching themselves with knit or crochet? One of the interesting features of the show for the last two years has been that when people arrive early, if the weather's bad outside, they allow them to wait in the room that we're based in. So we're actually finding that we've had people sitting down wanting to learn to knit to pass the time before the show opens. Um, and on some occasions, you know, Friday this week, a group of schoolgirls arrived, sat down, started learning to knit and didn't leave till their teachers came to tell them the coach was here to take them home. They were all so engrossed in both the starter kits that they were doing and we'd shown them how to do some sort of uh, finger knitting and things that they could do without having to use needles just to have fun with playing with yarn and to learn basic things about loops going through loops and other techniques and uh, they just enjoyed it so much they didn't want to go. You look really busy on the stand. Do you have any idea how many people have come along and been hanging around by the stand? I did start to try to count it on the first day and gave up by about 10.30, so I'm not quite sure. I know that um, the sponsors gave me um, something like eight crates of kits and we barely have one left. Um, we've had yarn donor, individual balls of yarn, you know, that not in the kits, but more attractive, you know, sort of, you know, the fuzzy yarns, the textured yarns, the bright colours to attract people's eyes. 
and you know that's just literally walking away we've got people just wanting to make things to try it before they go into the hall to buy it um, and it's just really exciting seeing people's faces when they either learn how to knit or crochet or people who haven't done it for about 20 years sort of saying I used to do it but I've forgotten and then we sit them down get them practicing again and oh it all comes back and oh look I can now do this and, oh yes I must go oh and is there anywhere to buy a wool is there anywhere to buy needles um, you know and I usually end up saying you know go away have a look in the hall if you can't find a needle or a pattern or some yarn come back to me and we'll see I'll perhaps come back and help you find it you know and we it's very very exciting what we found certain days you couldn't actually move we had three huge tables each seat of 12 people and they were queuing two and three deep to get into the empty chairs as soon as stood up there was like a little scrum to get in there so it, it has been a very very exciting show in that respect and how long have you been coming to the knitting and stitching show at alexandra palace i think probably sort of at least 15 years that i remember um, I had a little lull from knitting for a few years uh, and came back into it about 15 years ago in a major way uh, and I've been coming every year ever since. Have you managed to actually see anything at this year's show? That's one of the perks of being a volunteer. Um, I can actually get here and get into the building early um, so I've taken time, I've been getting here for about 8 o'clock in the morning making sure the stand was set up for the day and then I've been able to go and actually look at the exhibitions at my own leisure with hardly anybody around. I've been able to get a re that's one of the real joys for me, the perk of being a volunteer, is we get to look at everything. I can look at it in much closer detail than with other people around. Is there anything in this year's show that particularly stands out for you that you've really enjoyed seeing? For me, I think it's the work of the Japanese knitters. I saw their work about two or three years ago here um, and was absolutely astounded at what they were doing and it's just nice seeing the progression in their work over the couple of years. I liked the Knit Two Together exhibition but I'd already seen it two or three times at the Crafts Council. It was nice to see it again but it was the, the, the coats, the, particularly the red textured coats on the Japanese stand that I want to go away and practice how to do that. In fact, I've really wanted to sort of turn it inside out and look, but uh, I have more respect for the workers, you know, for the artists' work than that. But, well, at least until I can find some white gloves. So if someone's listening to this in the UK and they'd like to get involved and be a volunteer for the, the Relaxer Knit, what, what do they have to do? How can they get in touch with you? Well, the British Hand Knitting Confederation has their own website and the address is www ukhandknitting.com and on there there are details about how to volunteer you can send your details online they will get passed to the people who do the publicity work for the show um, they liaise with me on a constant basis so it shows that I'm going to um, and we then recruit volunteers and we go from there and I have to say when you get a busy show like this nobody who volunteers any time is ever turned down we're always more than glad of volunteers um, if I can just say that on Friday lunchtime I had 17 volunteers on the stand. Every single one of them was working with two or three young people um, and we could have done with more volunteers. So, you know, the bigger shows, the more hectic, the more staff we need to help to make it a good experience for people so they actually go away really knowing how to, you know, how to do the basics. You're also a member of the Rowanettes at Liberty. Now, for people who haven't heard of the Rowanettes, hard as that may seem, 
can you tell them a bit more about the group? Okay, the group started um, probably about three and a half, four years ago now. There was a group of five women who occasionally bumped into each other after work on a Thursday, all bumped into each other in the wool departments at Liberty. So they arranged to meet on one night to have tea together and to chat a bit further. I came into the store the day after and was told by, um, I think it was Jules, who's the Rowan rep in the store, that, oh, you missed a good night, there was a new group starting last night and there was five people turned up and I thought, this sounds like something I want to do. I already knitted with one or two other people, but um, it was very much going around to knitting people's homes. Um, and that's fine if you've got a lovely space and you've got room to entertain, but when you live in a pokey one-bedroom flat, uh, surrounded by computers and yarn, there's nowhere for them to sit. So, uh, you know, an external venue for me sounded a good idea. Um, and I rounded up a friend and dragged her to come with me for the next meeting, so I wasn't going to be on my own. And it went from there, and I think... I think originally we started meeting once a month. About two years ago it moved to twice a month. And um, currently, all I can say is if you're in London on a Thursday night, after about half past five, if you put your head round the door of the Art Bar Cafe and ask the waiters, is the, are the knitters in? They'll let you know whether anybody's around or not in store. We seem to, because we get visitors from all over the world, you know, we always have, we seem to be having a few extra nights because Christine's flown in from, from the States a week early or um, Moy's come in from New Jersey and the other week it was somebody who'd come over from France. Um, and if, if we know that other Rowan members from the Rowan International Board or members from other knitting groups that we're, we're involved with, if we know they're going to be in London, we like to be hospitable, we like to sort of say, let's meet for tea. Um, sometimes we meet for lunch, you know, and we can do it that way. And it's just a great way of making friends and sharing a passion with people from all over the world. You were saying that the group started off with five members. How many members are there now, do you think? It's difficult to say because we're not a formalised group as such. We're not a guild, we're not a... And it started out as you know, a group of rowanettes, but it's become much wider than that now. It's become like an informal drop-in meeting place for London-based knitters, for people from the rowing group all around the world. Um, on a quiet night, there could be five or six of us. Um, three weeks ago, there were 45. The waiters yeah. and the, the manager of the cafe is very good. He, he's got a real sense of what we're doing. He appreciates what we do. He likes the business we bring in. He likes the buzz we bring into the cafe. Um, and he's used to us rearranging the furniture, moving things. We all table hop as we go around to see everybody. The waiters just automatically run up individual bills for us. No matter which table we're on, they know where we are and who's had what. Uh, it's just a great, it feels like family, it feels like being, being actually relaxing in your own home, we've been going that long, it's, they just treat us with such respect, it's such a joy to be there. So how long have you been knitting yourself and, and who taught you to knit? I think I started knitting when I was about four or five um, and probably originally was one of the grandmas, um, they both knitted. But my uncles also knitted, and my aunts, my aunts did, but my uncles were also uh, knitted. Um, and one of my uncles taught me how to do the more complicated stitches like Aaron. One grandma taught me how to knit continental style because of her Italian heritage, that's the way she knitted. Um, others taught me to knit the more traditional English way. Um, so I have a real mishmash of styles now, I just tend to be which way I want to knit and whatever. Uh, but I've knitted all my life since then, basically. You know, a couple of years where I only tinkered at a few little bits, you know, the odd baby clothes or whatever. But um, probably about mid-80s was when I began to get the real urge to be more creative. 
and started on the K-facet kits and the, um, the, the bits like that, you know. So it's, it's become a challenge now. I like to try new techniques, new experiences, new colour work. And of course, there's all those new yarns to try. Which leads me on to the fact that, you know, we are aware that there's this new sort of trend in knitting. What, what sort of changes have you seen in knitting over the years? The thing I've noticed most was we, there was, at one time, was a good base of sort of solid, traditional, pure wools, strong colours, good range and whatever. That began to shrink. Uh, the yarn shops began to close down. People stopped knitting. It's gradually been coming back. Um, I think the resurgence in the UK has been partly due to the fancy yarns, the, the fritzy ones, the glittery ones, the fuzzy ones, the things with texture that are appealing to beginners because it hides their mistakes, it's bright and colourful and cheerful. And, you know, there's a real place for those. If that's what attracts people to come in to learn, that's good. We move from there, and some people might never move from there, and that's fine, that's good for them. But others will move on to doing something that's a bit more of a challenge, might want to learn a different technique to use a different yarn. And the real joy for me now is that I'm finding, you know, British yarn that's produced by small farms, where I can buy from, you know, a single farm yarn that is dyed in the most beautiful colours with natural products and whatever. My latest sort of major extravagance has been buying alpaca from a UK alpaca farm, where I can buy it from a named animal, and it's the, sing it's the, it's the fleece from that one animal that's been spun. Um, and yes, that makes for an expensive garment, but when that animal is named after one of your best friends, then I'm afraid you have to knit her a hat for Christmas in her her llamas, don't we, or her alpaca or whatever, you know, it's, it just has to be done, it's part of the fun. And the other thing for me has been, you know, the launch of the internet, just opening up so many avenues, and I'm not just talking about yarn shops and retail outlets and whatever. Ten years ago I joined a couple of knitting lists on the internet, made good friends, correspondence friends on those lists, um, put out an appeal on one, can anybody send me a copy of a magazine? I've got part one, two and four of a four-part series. I couldn't get edition three, can anybody help me out? And the lady who responded to that sent me the magazine. I sent her, I think I believe it was some Wednesday Dale yarn. Um, three months later, she just sent me the next edition. And that friendship has now been going for five years. Uh, and she automatically sends the magazine and I automatically send her whatever new UK yarn I found. She then shares that with her group in California and, and, you know, the sharing of knowledge and excitement goes on. Yvonne Davis, I wish I'd asked her the name of that alpaca, but I'll find out for you and post it on the Nickcast blog. That's at www.nickcast.com. I've had several requests for a button so that listeners with websites or blogs can link to Knitcast. I asked in the comments on the blog if someone might be able to make one for me because it's really, it's not my forte button design. And the wonderful Laurie from starsabove.com responded. Now that button is now available on the site for you to save to your hard drives and link to. And you can also see it in the iTunes store when you look for Knitcast. Now, iTunes subscribers have had some problems with new editions showing up in iTunes. There was a fault with my RSS feed. Now, I'm not going to go into details and bore you with information about that. I essentially had to learn to write one from scratch, but it's now functioning and the new editions will be showing up now in iTunes. Now, in the last edition, I mentioned Brenda Dane's Cast On. 
Now, since then, I've come across two other knitting podcasts. There's the Zipcast by knitting designer Wendy Wanacott, and Shannon from Fluffy Clouds and Crochet Hooks is producing Unraveled, and I'll have links to both of those on knitcast.com for you to check them out. Now, do any of you use Jordana Page knitting bags? Because I'm going to be interviewing Jordana in the next few weeks, and I'd really like to hear any comments or questions you might have for her. You can send those to me at feedback at knitcast.com. That's feedback at knitcast.com. That's also the same address for any suggestions you have for future editions of the show. Later this week, I'll be posting ad rates and sponsorship rates for knitcast.com. Prospective advertisers and sponsors can also contact me on that email address. Well, I'm Maria Shard and that was Nickcast. Thanks for listening.